Jaron Stevenson committed to Alabama on Wednesday night. But here's the thing. It's not an indictment on North Carolina recruiting, but rather a sign of the times. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us for your first listen or watch of the day to get everything you need about the Tar Heels. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. They're going to throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Coming up on the show today, I want to recap camp game number two, have some more kind of insider information from that, or just whether it's insider information or just observations from some insiders, that's probably a better way to say it, along with some really cool news in the world of U.S. women's soccer as it pertains to North Carolina, a dominant power in that sport. But first, obviously, the biggest news from Wednesday was Jaron Stevenson's commitment that we had all been waiting on. And as had been kind of the assumption, the the word going around for a little while now, Stevenson does decide to commit to Alabama. That's where things had been trending. Now, it was in some ways similar to Ian Jackson, where everything was Kentucky for a while, and then all of a sudden, it was North Carolina. This was the opposite of that. It felt like for a long time, it was all North Carolina, and then all of a sudden, over the past several days, it's turned to Alabama. Now, if you've been dialed in with us here on Locked on Tar Heels, which you should be, all you everydayers have been, but if not, if you're new, first off, welcome. If you're new, also, you should become an everydayer. Come join us all the time on Locked on Tar Heels. But anyway, what we've been saying is this. My belief all along has been that if Jaron Stevenson was content to stay in the class of 2024, that he would commit to North Carolina. If he wanted to make that jump into 2023 and reclassify, that it would not be to North Carolina, that he would reclassify and go to Alabama. Never really felt like, I mean, it felt like Virginia was obviously a player because they were final three, but that it was either Bama or Carolina and all depended upon Stevenson's desires of um, which class to stay in. A lot of people have been saying this to me, and this is where I'm at, and I kind of agree. The longer it drew out, the more it felt like Stevenson would not come to North Carolina. And that's chiefly because uh, his mom was a Tar Hill. He lives in state. There's all these connections. He's been around the campus for a long time. And it feels like if it was going to be that, there wouldn't have been all these drawn-out thought processes. There wouldn't have been things like what he's been saying the past several days of you know, just, I'm really not 100% decided yet. For a long time, he was saying, I'm not sure about reclassifying. I'm not sure about staying in 24. I'm not sure about going pro or any of those options. So the longer and longer it went, the more and more it felt like he would not ultimately come to North Carolina. And that's what he did. Now, here's the truth. Here's what we need to just keep recognizing and keep understanding. This is what happens now in the world of college basketball. 
if he wants to play now, Jaron Stevenson in college, it doesn't matter things as much like loyalty and not loyalty because he hadn't committed to North Carolina. I should more say legacy or proximity. You go where the opportunity is right now. You go where the availability is right now. You know why? Because if it's not the right fit for two seasons from now, guess what? Jaron Stevenson can go somewhere else. Maybe even the University of North Carolina. But for next season, for 2023-24, Alabama is a better fit that can offer him more front court playing time than can the Tar Heels. For example, Bama has Grant Nelson, although it's not been 100% confirmed, he hasn't signed, but the transfer uh, will, pro- as it looks right now, prior to the Stevens commit, I would assume that Nelson would be starting at the four for Alabama and Nick Pringle at the five. But beyond the two of them is wide open in the front court for Alabama because they lost a lot. Noah Clowney, obviously Brandon Miller, wherever he's going to get picked tonight, second or third. That's probably the most interesting part of the whole NBA draft. But beyond those two guys, there's infinitely more availability for Jaron Stevenson there. Now, True, North Carolina's front court is thin-ish, and I've been saying I think they should use one of their remaining scholarships on a front court backup type player. But even though I've been saying that North Carolina's front court is thin-ish, it's in better shape than Alabama's, which is if North Carolina's is thin-ish, Alabama's is straight up emaciated. Um, They need more help and can offer more immediate playing time. So that that just is what it is, and that's where we're at. There are some parallels to what happened with Gigi Jackson last year, the desire to change and play immediately. The biggest difference, though, is that Gigi actually was committed to North Carolina, decommitted, reclassified, and then committed to South Carolina. With Stevenson, it hadn't gotten to that level yet. And so I know, I get it, between the Gigi Jackson thing, between the Simeon Wilcher decommit between now this with Jaron Stevenson. I know to a lot of us out here, it feels like, oh man, like angst and weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is literally why I wore this shirt so I could pull this hood up over my head and say, oh, North Carolina is doomed. Recruiting is not going well. No, that, that just can't be the way we look at it anymore. This is the way we operate in college basketball now. At the same time, make no mistake, Jaron Stevenson is phenomenally talented. It would have been great to have him commit and come to North Carolina whenever, right? There was the scholarship availability now, even if he wouldn't play much, obviously in 2024. So this does still stink. It does still hurt. Stevenson was North Carolina's first offer in the class of 24. His mom played at UNC. So I can, I hear and understand your, the sky is falling. If that's, if that's you, if you're chicken little out there, but just one more time, let me say it. This is not the recruiting indictment against North Carolina and Hubert Davis and the assistants that it once would have been. Don't let anyone outside the program tell you, you know, like, don't let it be negative recruiting from your Duke friends or your NC state friends, whatever. Um, it just is what it is. The the re, It cannot be stated strongly enough how big a deal the reclassification and opportunity to play right now was for Stevenson's decision. Sean Moran, who's part of Inside Carolina, one of their um, 
kind of college basketball guys says, quote, from a body and physicality perspective, there's going to be a huge adjustment for Stevenson. This is talking about he is nowhere near the player he's going to be in one to two years. Just keep that in mind. Travis Branham says um, there, quote, there are players like Elliot Cadeau who can be ready immediately and make an impact. And there are guys that could struggle a little bit that understood there that guys that reclassify and continuing on the quote. And I think Jaron Stevenson fits into that category. So kind of contrasting Elliot Cadeau's readiness and fit for right now with Jaron Stevenson's maybe not quite there yet. And, and listen, this is not news for you that have been tracking. We've been saying that all along as well. Stevenson can reclass and come right now, but he is not going like he would not have started at the three or four for North Carolina this upcoming season. It just wouldn't have. Would have been a depth player, not a relied upon player for North Carolina. And so you you just, just hear some of those quotes. That's not bashing Stevenson. He's a phenomenal basketball player. But just to, to contextualize what role he would have played for North Carolina this year versus what he will do for Alabama. And so then the question becomes this. We, we even look at it. Let me show you the scholarship chart that we always look at on the show. You can see it for those of you watching, for those of you listening. Nothing really changes here. North Carolina still has three scholarships available for the upcoming season. And obviously you can see 24-25 when Stevenson would have come if he had stayed in the class of 24 Right now, there's still James Brown and Ian Jackson and Drake Powell, all part of the class of 24 for Carolina, still ranked number one, even after losing Elliott Cadeau. So plenty of room for other people to come, plenty of room for the transfer portal. And so I, I would encourage you to just keep that in mind, that there is time and space and, and Carolina will be okay. And another thing is now we're going to start wrestling with, and, and I'm thinking I'm, I'll do a segment on this sometime next week to just say, are we getting to the point now where Carolina is set with 10 scholarship players? Or do we think they really will utilize more of those? Which I, I think and have said and will continue to say, I think we're going to see a lot of high major schools not utilizing all 13 of their scholarships in this day and age. So I'll, we'll, we'll talk about that probably at some point next week. But go ahead and be reckoning with that. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well. So that's that's the scholarship chart as it appears right now. Let's get all our graphics back up there. There we go. Great stuff there. So, and just one other thing, let me just leave it with this. In this day and age with the transfer portal, it doesn't mean Stevenson will never play for North Carolina. Now it's highly unlikely, but transfers are a real thing. And you don't want to burn bridges because you never know when a guy might come right back around and be part of your program in a year or two. So let me encourage all of you out there, please do not go out on social media and bash Stevenson or his decision or why, why, why didn't you come to North Carolina? Maybe he will. But in the meantime, I'd love to play Alabama next year, somewhere, somehow, maybe in the tournament, beat their brains in both as revenge for that silly loss last year and uh, to just remind Jaron Stevenson of what he could have because I'm a little bit vindictive like that, <laughs> even though I wish him well. That's just the competitor in me, right? I'm sure that's some of you out there 
as well. Well, coming up, North Carolina had their second week of Hubert Davis basketball camp that wrapped up on Wednesday. And yes, there was another camp game between the alums and the current team with a little bit of a different result this time. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. I don't know how else to say it, folks, so I'm just going to keep it simple for you. Bird Dog shorts and pants just make you look better. The Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to flit, fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you an incredibly sculpted look. They also fit better than regular shorts made of stiff, restricting cotton. And they fit better than Lululemon, although they do the exact same thing. How does Bird Dogs pull all this off? Well, they've invented cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches to give you this slimming look without sacrificing your movement. Probably my favorite thing, especially here in the summer, is that they also at Bird Dogs use an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I know that sounds good to you. So head on over right now to birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You don't want to take your bird dogs off all summer long. I promise you that. All right. Also, today is Thursday and the NBA draft is tonight. Don't miss locked on NBA draft live pick-by-pick analysis from our stable of local NBA hosts, national reaction from our NBA big board guys, and live check-ins from inside the draft. Locked on NBA Draft Live starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern tonight on the Locked on NBA YouTube page. All right. Camp Part 2 ended on Wednesday. Had another alum versus the current team game. This time, this time, excuse me, with the current team winning 71-68. They did the exact same thing as they did last camp iteration, a game to 70 with halftime coming whenever one of the teams reached 35. And um, one of the big differences in this game, let me, well, let me tell you the personnel and then I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, the, the current roster of players was coached once again by... Coach Marcus Page, Coach Page, that still just sounds weird to say. It sounds weird coming out of my mouth. The starters for the uh, current team were RJ Davis, Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, Jalen Withers, and Armando Baycott. Kind of that starting five that we had been expecting prior to Elliot Cadeau's reclassification. Coming off the bench for that squad were Seth Trimble, Jalen Washington, Paxson Wojcik, and Zayden Hi, Elliot, by the way, was a DNP, did not play, um, dealing with a lower body injury. Uh, the reason I kind of classify it general like that is uh, I've, I've seen both ankle and then heard from my source at camp that it was specifically is a toe thing. And so, man, no point in messing around with that. And uh, you don't want to aggravate anything. The alumni team, the blue team, was coached by Deion Thompson and Byron Sanders. The starting five for this squad, Kenny Williams, Harrison Barnes, Tyler Zeller, James Michael McAdoo, and Ed Davis. Coming off the bench were Desmond Hubert, Garrison Brooks, Jawad Williams, and the recently graduated Jackson Watkins. Now, here's the thing. As you hear me read that, that team of alums, Remember last time they had Cole Anthony running the show. They did not 
have that this time around. And so basically, as, as you hear that group, you got a lot of great front court players, but you got to rely basically on Kenny Williams and Harrison Barnes to run the show. And neither of them are point. I mean, they can they can be fine playmakers, but that's not where they shine. That's not where they elevate. And so honestly, it's not all that much of a surprise to me that the current guys won other than thinking back to last year, once again, last summer where Marcus page and, and uh, the alums just blew them off the court. And so I'm encouraged to see two competitive games, a 70 to 68 in the first round of camp, and then a 71 68 in favor of the current guys this time around. So uh, if you remember last week, as we unpacked the game, uh, share just a few insights from um, kind of one of my sources there at camp. Uh, it's funny, a couple of people speculated that it was BDOT. It was not BDOT. If it was BDOT, we'd just have him come on and talk about it. This is somebody that wants to stay anonymous. And in fact, I have two people to share stuff from this time. And I, and I promise you both of them, if I told you who they were, uh, one you would know by name and the other um, you probably wouldn't know by name. But when I would tell you who they are and what they do, you would understand why they're a legitimate source. So uh, let's just give me, I'll just give you what I have learned from both of those. Number one is that Cormac Ryan and Paxson Wojcik are basically twins in a lot of ways. That's a direct quote from this person. Cormac has a solid work ethic. Uh, and Wojcik and Ryan, I can see both getting minutes. And I don't think that's a negative about Cormac. I think that just maybe might be that Paxson might, uh, Paxson Wojcik just might have more to offer this team than I so far have been valuing him as. Now, of course, you got to wait and see what happens when the coaches are out there. They're not right now, um, but it is an encouraging thing to hear. And this person said, from what I've seen, both are legit perimeter threats with decent size. Moving on, this person also said, I think Jalen Washington has progressed a lot. And I'm encouraged by that because I think it's critically important for both of the sophomores, honestly, both Jalen and Seth, to take massive leaps for this season. And so to hear the, the um, improvement by Jalen Washington, the confidence that he now has or that is growing into, remember, this is his first healthy offseason in a while. And so... Uh, no telling what can happen there. Next, about the other Jalen, Jalen Withers. Jalen Withers is intimidating. To clarify, he's an athletic unit. Literally, I love that phrase. He's an athletic unit with a crazy deep voice. Too good, too funny there. Love to hear that about Jalen Withers. This was an interesting one talking about Elliot Cadeau. Elliot seems like he's here for business, means like, Let's get down to it. Let's get going. We're not here to mess around. We're here to restore what didn't happen last year and keep going. This person also said that they are impressed by the pieces North Carolina has landed, meaning both the transfers and the incoming freshmen. So you love to hear some of those things and uh, just, you know, mostly just tidbits. But again, that's not just smoke blown by some rando. This is from somebody who you you would be encouraged to know that this is that's what this person thinks about what North Carolina has. And then from the other person, um, just once again, confirming what's going on with Elliot, um, and then said that once again, just like last week, RJ and Armando both played really well, was encouraged by that. Also said 
Uh, and it's great because we didn't have Harrison Ingram intel from the other person, but said Ingram, Harrison Ingram looked really good as well yesterday, made four threes, but didn't play a ton of minutes because apparently his back has been uh, bothering him again. And as we remember from this past season with Pete Nance's back issues that I still firmly believe stopped us from seeing the full magnitude of what Pete Nance could do. Um, but that is just something you don't want to mess around with. So hopefully uh, Harrison can get those things taken care of and be ready to go. Now, um, just a couple more things about this game. There was a YouTube comment on yesterday's show that, or on something, I can't remember what it was from. I think it was yesterday's show that said this, quote, I have a major, all caps, problem slash question. Why isn't Elliot Cadeau playing in the pickup games? I get he's playing in the camp games, but the first game they said he and Zayden had orientation. The second game they said Elliot was watching from the bench and didn't mention Zayden at all. Why would we play a game without our starting point guard with 13 question marks? I counted them following the question. Well, a couple things about this. Number one, it, it's kind of the reverse. Elliot has been playing in the pickup games and looking really good, by the way, but it's these two camp games that he hasn't played in. The first time legitimately had orientation, so that's point number one. Yes, he did have that. Number two, in this week's camp game, had a legit injury, uh, lower body, as we said, and you just don't want to risk anything during a camp game to somebody that you think is going to be critically important to the success of this upcoming season. And so number three, again, he has been playing in the uh, later at night pickup games after camp is over, not to worry, probably is taking it off and easy right now because, you know, if he's got this injury, you don't want to exacerbate that, especially because practice will, uh, you get a few summer practices and the first of those comes up next week. Just a couple quick takeaways that I'm starting to see develop from some of this camp uh, environment. Number one, leadership. Void last year. Just there wasn't that vocal leader. We've talked about this multiple times on the show. But number one, we're seeing Cormac Ryan do that already. This is something we've speculated and assumed that he would do, and it's and he is. He's being a verbal leader, not afraid to step in and step up. Interestingly, the guy uh, that was called his twin, Paxson Wojcik, is also doing some of that. And so you love... Notice who it is, the fifth-year guys coming in and doing that. And, and I'm encouraged by that because that's, I think, a critical part of what Carolina was lacking uh, because you need that for accountability. You need that to call people out, all those kind of things. I love to hear veteran vocal leadership. Number two, I mentioned the sophomore development, and I, I just want to say again, I'm so encouraged. Like I, if, if you read Adam Lucas's quick hitters or um, no, that's what my thing is, his takeaways, excuse me, um, from from the camp game. You saw that one of the things he mentioned was about Seth Trimble and how his offense has grown this offseason. And boy, is that important because Seth's defense is not going anywhere, but the offense has has to grow to meet that defense. And then the Jalen Washington growth as well. He's going, especially if North Carolina does not get another five on this roster, Jalen Washington is going to have to be ready to play big minutes at the five. And so that, that confidence, that capability, it will be needed. And if he can really start stepping outside and making some threes, that just adds a different component 
than what Armando Baycott brings. And I, I would love to hear that. So there, there's some takeaways from camp part two, kind of the next thing up for talking about Carolina basketball in terms of on-court stuff is going to be anything we learned from that first round of practices. So keep your eyes on that. By the way, it was really neat to see. I don't know if you saw from Carolina basketball Twitter on Wednesday, there's a picture of, um, as, as I had said last week from what Pac had told us uh, from some of his conversations with Brady, Brady was going to be in town. He is there right now, but as was Leaky, great to see them together. And uh, speaking of which, best of, of luck to Leaky tonight. It doesn't seem like he will get drafted, but, um, you know, hopefully he's, he's had these workouts and will hopefully be able to sign with an NBA franchise. Well, coming up, the Women's World Cup roster for 2023 was announced on Wednesday. Pretty cool fashion in how they did that, by the way. But once again, there are multiple Tar Heels on this roster. I'm going to explain something cool that the Tar Heels have done through the years that will blow your socks off. Coming up in just a second. All right, Women's World Cup is this summer down under in Australia and New Zealand. And once again, North Carolina has two Tar Heels on the roster that was named on Wednesday. Crystal Dunn back for her second appearance on the team, which was announced by Lil Wayne, by the way. And then uh, Tobin Heath, my understanding, has been dealing for quite a while now with some injuries, so she's not on the roster for the first time in a while. But Emily Fox will be making her debut on the World Cup stage. That one was announced by Mia Hamm. Really cool stuff there. So what's neat about having both of these Tar Heels on the roster is that this will be the ninth Women's World Cup going back to 1991. On every one of those nine rosters, there have been multiple North Carolina Tar Heel alums playing on the team. And by the way, props to our guy, Brian Ives, um, great Tar Heel, uh, works for ESPN, great producer, does all sorts of neat stuff for them, but was the one that pointed that out. And um, he and I texted for a while after that to just try to figure out some other numbers with it. It means with adding Emily Fox, there have now been 29 different women, uh, Carolina women's players who have played for the women's national team in the World Cup. There have been six Tar Heels that have either been head or assistant coach. Five of those are for North Carolina. One is for a different country. And then three Tar Heels have played for other nations. So Carolina soccer and the the absolute juggernaut that it's been throughout this, the years uh, carries over not just in the college ranks, but onto the professional stage at the highest level. And so let me give you just the year-by-year -year breakdown of how many Tar Heels have been on the roster. Again, it, the Women's World Cup started in 91. That had nine Tar Heels, seven of them in 95, eight of them in 99, six in 03, five in 07, two in 2011, six in 15, five on 19 on the last roster, and then the two ladies, Emily Fox and Crystal Dunn, this year by the way these uh the the world cup starts july 20th so just get ready for that first time with 32 teams in it usa is in group e in case you're interested obviously they're ranked first in the nation uh the the most recent rankings came out on june 9th the other three teams in carolina carolina nor in america's group 
uh, are Vietnam, 32nd in the world, Portugal, 21st in the world, and Netherlands, who are ninth in the world. No favors there to uh, the U.S. of A. Uh, if you want to mark your calendars, I've, I've got it for you. U.S. plays Vietnam. That's the first match on July 22nd. Local down there, it'll be July 1st for us, 9 p.m. Eastern time. The second matchup is the critical group stage matchup against the Netherlands. That's on July 27th local, July 26th for us here, also at 9 a.m. And then the late night one uh, versus Portugal, August 1st local, but it's also August 1st here because it'll be in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. Eastern. Um, and that'll be fun because that's my anniversary, August 1st, although I'm going to be in Mexico on vacation. So I guess I'll have to get up in the middle of the night and watch that one. By the way, if you need a reminder of the USA's dominance in the Women's World Cup, there have been eight thus far. Stars and Stripes have won four of them. We finished second one time and finished third three times. So US of A has finished in the top three at all eight Women's World Cup, including winning the last two in a row and gunning to be the first ever nation to win three in a row if they can pull that off this year. Germany is the only other nation to win it twice in a row and couldn't hold uh, serve for a third in a row on their home turf. So best of luck to the ladies. Can't wait to keep tabs on everything that goes on with that. Man, what a cool reminder of everything that goes on with North Carolina. This is why this is such a great institution. I love it and uh, can't wait to cheer for our ladies down under best of luck in particular to crystal dunn and emily fox well friends that's it for today's episode of locked on tar heels again bummer to lose out on jaron stevenson wish him the best at alabama um but gotta keep waiting and seeing what's gonna be next in the recruiting game for north carolina there's always something going thanks again especially to your everydayers for joining us on today's show we'll be right back with you Tomorrow, got some other things want to touch on, including Mac Brown's press conference from Tuesday. So we'll look ahead to that. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Heels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Seriously, y'all, questions are coming in literally every day. I'm getting them all into our database, and I will be systematically and periodically uh, getting them all answered because it's great content. I love all the stuff you guys are sending in. Keep it coming. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on YouTube. Help us continue to grow and build this uh, family, this community that we're building. Smash the like button so we know you are here and leave a comment on your thoughts on the Stevenson decision. want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Can't wait to talk again tomorrow, but until then, peace.